0: Thank you for downloading this BJPS short read. BJPS Short Reads are brought to you by the British Journal for the Philosophy of Science. COVID-19 Induction and Social Epistemology by Igor Duvin, read by the author. A recent study by researchers from Johns Hopkins University found that people's willingness to follow governmental measures to mitigate the spread of the novel coronavirus SARS-CoV-2 largely depends on our level of trust in science. More shockingly, they also found that almost half of the American population distrusts science. What to many of us looks like a concerted effort of vast numbers of experts to limit the damage of an unprecedented health crisis looks to some like a grand conspiracy aimed at taking away the livelihoods of hard-working citizens. Might philosophers, with their ineradicable skepticism, have contributed to this distrust in scientific expertise? It is not unreasonable to think that the relativism and post-truthism propagated not only by continental philosophy, but also by a strong program and a related field of science and technology studies, have harmed the status of science. Their practitioners, after all, tend to see science as just one of the many stories we tell each other. Why not, in our current situation, believe a story with less inconvenient consequences? One that, for instance, allows us to go about without masks. Most readers, I'm sure, will have little sympathy for the aforementioned views and will instead be committed to solid scientific philosophy. But has this philosophy not done its part as well when it comes to eroding trust in science? I'm thinking here of Hume's argument that induction is unjustifiable. The doubters might ask, hasn't one of your biggest stars shown that what scientists are constantly doing, namely predicting how things are going to look like, based on what they have looked like, lacks a good reason? The question has no easy answer. For indeed, according to Hume, we cannot justify the practice of induction deductively, given that, as all agree, induction is not necessarily a reliable inference method. But we cannot justify it inductively either. What would a positive outcome prove if induction is in fact unreliable? What may have seemed the boutique concern of one branch of philosophy thus emerges as being of central importance to addressing one of today's main challenges. There is, as said, no easy answer to question of why it is rational to rely on induction. But there is an answer, albeit one that is subtle and needs a bit of explaining. The answer has been developed by Gerhard Schultz in a number of publications. Schultz's key point is that Hume and all later commentators, have been wrong in assuming that rational reliance on induction requires an argument to the effect that induction is reliable. While the assumption appears reasonable, after all, how could we rationally rely on induction in the absence of such an argument? It is nonetheless wrong to justify our reliance on induction. We only need to show that induction is optimal, that we cannot do better than to rely on it. The word only might suggest that this is an easy task. It is not. It takes Schurz several hundred pages of at times highly technical argumentation to demonstrate the optimality of induction, but he does demonstrate it. That is a major achievement. Classical philosophical problems tend to get clarified, reconceptualized, refined, but usually not solved. Schurz's approach is too prompt. First, using formal results from the field of prediction with expert advice, he's able to justify analytically what he calls meta-induction that is, induction over inductive methods. The proof consists in showing that, in every possible world, we can never do better than if we rely on meta-induction. The second part of the demonstration then consists of an application of meta-induction to incontrovertible empirical findings about the past predictive accuracy of our actual inductive practices as compared to various non-inductive methods. Will this silence those peddling conspiracy theories about COVID-19? We shouldn't hold our breath, for note that Schurz makes a subtle point, We see on an almost daily basis footage from across the globe of citizens protesting mitigation measures. Perhaps I am misreading their facial expressions, their gestures, their seemingly threatening behaviour, but I find it difficult to escape the impression that subtle points are lost on the vast majority of these protesters. In explaining the success of induction, building on Shorster's insights, I make a less subtle point, with the intention of further helping to restore confidence in induction. The point is that we should expect to be good at inductive reasoning supposing our reasoning capacities are the result of an evolutionary process of selection and variation, as evolutionary epistemologists have long argued, and supposing social epistemologists are right that the pursuit of truth is an essentially collective endeavor To show why this is reasonable to expect, I conducted a series of computer simulations modeling an evolutionary process in which epistemically interacting inductive reasoners are selected to reproduce on the basis of their success at getting at the truth accurately and quickly. This model lets agents update their opinions on the basis of first information they receive directly from the world and second the opinions of other agents in their community who they regard as their epistemic peers. The NSGA2 algorithm, an evolutionary algorithm widely used for optimization purposes in science and engineering, served to model the evolutionary part. To make the simulation specifically about inductive reasoning, the agents populating the hexalan Krause model and being subjected to evolutionary pressures, processed the information from the world via some Carnapian lambda rule. This meant that each agent could be characterized by three parameters determining how they learned. Two determining the agent's level of social engagement and learning, and one determining their learning rate. The outcomes from the simulations showed that a fine-tuning of all three parameters took place during the evolutionary process. Later generations tended to have values for those parameters that, in combination, made the agents better at getting close to the truth quickly, in comparison with their predecessors. In fact, the evolutionary process led, on average, to a threefold increase in accuracy, so meaning that last-generation agents deviated less from the truth than first-generation agents, on average by a factor of three, and to an average six-fold increase in speed of convergence, meaning that it made agents six times faster at getting close to the truth, on average. It does not follow from these findings that evolution made us successful inductive reasoners, but at least they show how we might have become such reasoners. Will the doubters now start paying more attention to what scientists have to say about how we ought to navigate our way through the current crisis? You may think the point is still too subtle to sway the demonstrators. You may be right, However, research by cognitive psychologists has shown that people are more likely to accept that something is so when it is pointed out to them why it is so or how it came to be. So I have at least some hope that providing a possible explanation of how we have become good at inductive reasoning may help to convince the doubters that we are indeed good at it. The simulations not only helped to demonstrate the power of the process of variation and selection to shape the reasoning capacities of social learners, work on the simulation also engendered one of the best illustrations of the importance of social learning that I have come across. The simulations were coded in Julian, a new high performance language for scientific computing developed at MIT by Alan Edelman and some of his postdocs and PhD students. The simulations required code for the so called non dominating sorting function, which is part of the NSGA2 algorithm mentioned above. My first attempt at implementation of this function took just over 10 milliseconds for one partial ranking of the agents on the basis of the scores that were relevant in the simulations. Thereby, the function was about 4 times slower than the non-dominated sorting function that is predefined in a designated package for the statistical computing language R. I posted the initial function on the main message board for Julia developers, hoping to receive some advice about how to make it run faster. Thanks to the contributions of various members of the forum, within a day, a more than 2,000-fold speedup was obtained from just over 10 milliseconds to just under 45 microseconds. That and some of the tricks I learned from the same thread helped to reduce total computation time for the simulations by close to 40%. On my own, I would not have been able to achieve this, not even after months. I'm grateful that I could rely on a community of interacting Julia experts, much like I'm grateful that we can presently rely on a community of tightly collaborating virologists, epidemiologists, and other health experts.